Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, crew? Everybody joining us in person, live. Love you. Thanks for crashing a party. Everybody online, thanks for tuning in with us. I know it's Labor Day weekend, so a lot of people are traveling. I got to be honest with you. The only thing I know about Labor Day is I think today is the last day you can wear white pants. Is that true? I should probably do some more study on that, be more a little learned than that. But uh, so if you're wearing white pants, congrats. This is the last time. It's time to, time to put them up after tomorrow. But if you're uh, on the way back from the beach or uh, hanging out in the mountains or doing whatever, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Uh, let me tell you a little story about when I was in college, my senior year, uh, I was voted uh, the most school-spirited, Mr. School Spirit. And I think, I'm pretty sure this award was from one particular instance that happened my freshman year of college. My brother and I went to the same school in South Carolina, and both of our roommates played on the football team. Here was the problem, though. Our football team was terrible. Uh, we had not won a game in three years uh, when I became a freshman. And, and so they were just, just an awful team. Um, but we had one particular game on our schedule this year, uh, that was in October, it was on Halloween weekend, and we were playing another school in South Carolina that had not won a game in two seasons. So something had to give. Someone was going to come out a winner, and I just had a feeling it was going to be us. And uh, so leading up to this game on Halloween weekend, my brother was the student body president, I was the freshman class president. We decided we were going to rowl the student section up for this game. And so uh, we got a deal with a, a local grocery store where we bought a bunch of pumpkins and we carved football helmets out of pumpkins. And our entire student section had a pumpkin on our head for this game on, on Halloween weekend. And so we made an executive decision as uh, two leaders in the student body government. My brother and I decided that if we won the game, we were going to storm the field and tear the field goal down. This might be the only time, my brother's a senior, never seen a football game win. And so this, like, this could be our only shot right here. So we start getting dreaming and scheming. Everybody's going to wear their pumpkins. We're tearing down the field goal. We're going to charge the field after the game if we win. And uh, the administration at the school got wind of it. And so they started trying to convince students, do not come out onto the field. Do not storm the field goal units. There will be consequences for it. At that point, the momentum was too much, right? Uh, it was too far. We had already crossed the line, so we were going to do it. We showed up, and all during the game, you can hear over the loudspeaker, no one on the field after the game, no one, Stephen and Nathan Klein. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> Don't do it. Do not come out onto the field. About five minutes left in the game, we were up by two touchdowns. This was it right? This was it. And so my brother and I are on the front row of the student section, getting everybody fired up, just making sure nobody gets cold feet at this point. And then we see something. The student section is right next to the home end zone, right? And the campus security begins to surround the field goal post. Now this is, these aren't police officers. This is campus security. Think mall cops. And so like, like they're linking arms together. I was like, it's up to you, man. Like, it, you, if you want hundreds of students, if you think linking your arms together is going to stop this, then 
<laughs> Godspeed. Um, and so five minutes left, we decide we got to call an audible. So I'm at the front of the lines. If, if you've ever seen Braveheart, this is my William Wallace moment. I got a pumpkin on my head. My face is painted. And like I'm standing in front of the, uh, the student section. I'm just like, look, that, that field goal belongs to us. They will not take that from us. Uh, they can take our school away, but they can't take our field goal. And so we call an audible. I say, here's what we're going to do. Instead of running to the field goal post that's closest to the student section with all the barricades around it and the rental cops around it, we're going to run 100 yards to the other field goal post, and that's the one we're going to tear down. Triple zeros hit. Everybody's going wild. The two Klein boys are the first to cross the wall onto the field. It's do or die at this point. We take like two steps towards the guarded gate, and then we turn, and I'm doing my best 100-yard dash, and I am running for my life to this field goal post. Uh, my brother, who's much taller than I am, six foot, a lot bigger, uh, he lifts me up, and I am on top of the, 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 the crossbar of the field goal post. And I crawl up on there, and that is when the, the, the yearbook photographer takes the picture that will go down in the college's story. Um, a chubby kid with a pumpkin on his head is jumping up and down on the field goal post after our team went 1-36 and 36, uh, since, I, since I was there. And uh, man, it was a wild night. We could, I couldn't get the field goal post down. The rest of this class sold me out. I was the only one up there, so so much for being able to cover yourself. Uh, but you no, know, that wasn't me. Um, and we didn't get the field goal post down, but it was a blast, man. We, we had fun. Fast forward, I, that picture, that video, that moment must have made such an impact on people that four years later, senior, senior superlatives roll around and uh, Nathan Klein is Mr. School Spirit um, from, from that, that picture. Um, but I was kind of the, my brother and I were the cheerleaders behind all of this, this mission to encourage uh, one another and, and the other classmates to uh, forsake the warning of the administration and let's live up uh, our lives and win this one football game. Uh, and so as we've been talking about this series, uh, there's different people that you need in your life. Uh, you need a person like Paul, who's a mentor of yours, that's going to be above you, that can encourage you and speak, speak to you. You're, you need a, an apprentice like a Timothy, someone that, that maybe is a little bit lower than you, that doesn't know as much as you do, that's not as far along in life and marriage and relationship with Jesus. Uh, you need that person. But you also need who we're going to talk about today. You need a cheerleader in your life. You need someone that can come alongside you and, and pick you up to encourage you to continue to push forward, to continue to, to move forward. And, and I want to introduce you to maybe the greatest cheerleader in all of the Bible. Uh, I bet you don't even know his real name. You know him by his senior superlative, right? He, he actually had a nickname that he was most known for. In college, I was Mr. School Spirit, uh, but in the Bible, this guy had the nickname Mr. Encouragement. Like that, that's how much of an encouragement he was, how much he lifted other people up, that he's actually known for, for being an encourager. And he got this nickname. In Acts chapter 4, it's the very first time we meet this guy. Here's what the scriptures say. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. There was a man named Joseph, not Joseph, coat of many colors, not Joseph, Jesus' stepdad, but Joseph, a.k.a. 
Barnabas, the man that wherever he goes, he encourages people. Wherever he goes, he lifts people up. Wherever he goes, he's making a difference and he's making an impact. This is who that man is. We're introducing him for the very first time. Listen to what he did. He sold a field that he owned and brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. This man, Mr. Encouragement, Mr. Joseph, Mr. Barnabas, uh, lived on the island of Cyprus. And scripture tells us that he owned some property, right? Maybe he had a little beach house action on Cyprus. Now, Cyprus is no Hawaii, okay? Uh, but when you sell a piece of property on the beach, like you're gonna get a, a pretty good amount for it. And the Bible tells us that one of the ways that this man wanted to encourage the pastors and the leaders and the church just in general is he sold his beachfront property on Cyprus and he took the money and he just gave it to the church, he said, hey man, I, I want to see God do something great. I believe in you and in your ministry. So, I mean, can you imagine if that happened today, like the housing market it is right now, like somebody just sells their house and just walks in to, to Revo and just says, hey, I sold my house and uh, yeah, I just wanted to hook you up with that. If that's you, come talk to your boy after the service. Let's go. But that's what this guy did. So imagine like how encouraging that was. Like the pastor's getting around, he's like, you're not gonna believe what happened today, man. Like this dude sold his beachfront property and just said, hey, I believe in you. I believe in your ministry. Like let's help people find out who Jesus is and, and, and I wanna throw in on it. I wanna I want be a part of it. And so from the very first time we meet Barnabas, he's known as this guy that's like, I'm gonna encourage you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna build you up. You need people like that in your life. People that will come alongside you when you're down and they'll help pick you up. People that'll come alongside you when you've stopped and they'll just give you a little friendly push forward. That'll encourage you to continue to be the man or the woman that God has, has called you to be. So here's the big question for you this morning. Who has God called you to cheer for? Who in your life needs an encourager? Not a theologian, not someone to come and tell them that, well, this is what the Bible says, or this is what you should do. Like somebody that just may be at a point in their life where they don't need another Sunday school lesson, they don't need another Bible verse. They just need someone to come alongside them and put some wind in their sail. Just encourage them to keep moving forward. Encourage them to get up when they've fallen down. Someone that'll look at you and say, hey, I got your back, I'm in your corner, I, I'm, I'm your guy, I'm your gal, I'm gonna be right here with you, we're gonna do this together. It's so important. There's been so many times in my life where I've been down about something and thank goodness a person that was an encourager came alongside me and kind of pushed me forward. Maybe, maybe there's times where you're down about your, your marriage or down about your, your career path or down about like what's going on in the world and what's going on in culture. And, and really, you don't have a problem with your job or your finances or your marriage. You just need someone to come alongside you and provide some encouragement. May just give you a pat on the back to push you to move forward and to take that, that next step. Paul talked about that in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Paul said, hey, for us in the church, to call ourselves believers, like we need to be all about encouraging each other and building each other up. And here's why. Because we currently live in a world that is all about discouraging others and tearing people down. Man, we got a huge opportunity to be people of encouragement, to be a Barnabas, to, to be this person in other people's lives. King Solomon writes in Proverbs, he says it like this, the tongue has the power of life and death. Your words can either speak encouragement over someone's life and to help them move forward, 
or your words can tear someone's life down and will will hold them back. That's the culture that we live in right now. A culture that is obsessed with tearing people down. Uh, We're going to make fun of people. We're going to criticize people. We're going to tear people down. Like, I don't know about you. I don't like hanging out with people like that. Like, I do not like hanging out with people that are always negative, that always see the glass as half empty, that always have something to complain about. There's just something refreshing about being around someone that's positive. That no matter what room they walk into, they lift everyone up around them. Not tearing other people down so they can lift themselves up, but just a, a positive voice that pushes things forward, that challenges you in your life. If you don't have that in your life, I think you're missing out. And if you're not offering that to people, think about it. You don't want to be the one that walks into the room and is like, oh, here we go, Miss Complainer, you know, Mr. Negative, all the time. And it doesn't matter what happens. If he wins $1,000, he'll, he'll be mad that it wasn't in $1 bills instead of $100 bills. Like he'll always find something to be negative and complaining about. Barnabas was the opposite of, of that. He was somebody that encouraged, especially in a world that is all about discouragement. There's a recent survey uh, put out, a study that was put out on social media. Uh, Businesses wanted to know, how can we increase our engagement on social media? What can we post that'll get the most amount of likes, the most amount of comments, the most amount of shares, and get us the most amount of followers on social media? And here's what the studies show, that negative social media posts get twice as much engagement as positive posts. If you post something negative, about someone or a group of people or a business or a country or whatever, then you'll get twice as many shares, twice as many likes. Now now you know, like the news media people have figured this out, right? They know the more negative stuff we talk about, the more you get riled up and the more comments and likes and shares and thumbs down that they get. And it's a win for them. That's what they're trying to do. They're running a business. And so in a world where negative rules... And it's all about tearing other people down. Here steps Barnabas, a person that says, wherever I go, I'm going to build up. I'm going to encourage. This is somebody that you need in your squad. So I want to challenge you this morning. I got, I got four people in your life that need to be encouraged. Four friends, four coworkers, four neighbors, four complete strangers. Maybe you fall even into one of these four categories of someone that, that needs to be encouraged in your life. And they're all found in the story of, of Barnabas. The next time we read about Barnabas, the first time he's introduced in Acts chapter 4, the next time we read about him is in Acts chapter 9, but something crazy happens between Acts 4 and Acts 9. We meet this guy named Saul. Now Saul is uh, the apostle Paul, right? After he gives his life to Jesus, Jesus radically changed his life. He becomes the apostle Paul, but Paul was the artist formerly known as Saul. He lived a crazy life. Uh, He killed Christians, Saul was the kind of guy that would come into the back doors of a church and arrest everyone in the church that claimed to be a follower of Jesus. He arrested them, and he he was a hitman for the government. He would bring them back to Rome, and they would stand on trial as enemies of the state, and they would be found guilty if they were a Christian and put to death. I mean, this man literally killed Christians for a living. And every Christian in the first century knew about this man named Saul. He was the most dangerous person that the church faced. But something crazy happens in the book of Acts. Jesus changes Saul's life. It's this radical conversion experience where Paul goes from Christian killer to church planter. 
And like he's, now he's the number one fan of Jesus. Jesus radically changes his life. And now Paul wants to meet as many Christians as he can. He wants to go to as many churches as he can just to be a part of what God is doing. Here's the problem though. The Christians have not found out yet that Paul experienced a life change. And so Paul begins to visit these churches and like, can you imagine like someone walking into the door of the church and it's a person that has a reputation for killing people like you. Maybe you have some family or some relatives that were actually arrested by this man, Saul. And all of a sudden, in, in the book of Acts, the church is hanging out in Jerusalem, right? And they're gathered together just like we're gathered together this morning. And in the door walks Saul, the murderer, the guy that is notorious for hating Jesus and hating Christians. No one knows that his life has been changed yet. Here's how the story unfolds. The first person that I want to challenge you to encourage, we read here in Acts chapter 9. Write this down if you're taking notes. You can write it in the app or in your notebook. You need to encourage, as a Barnabas, you need to have people in your life that are encouraging that are fearful. The fearful. There are people in your life that are fearful, that are afraid of something right now. And they need to be encouraged. Check this out. This, this, this is a, an explanation of what the church was in the early days. Uh, verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, Saul, he tried to join the, the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And Barnabas told him how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Saul kicks down the doors of the church and walks in. He's like, yo, family, what's up? Let's worship Jesus. And everybody's like, is that Saul? And they think like he's playing a trick on them. They think this is a, a, a scheme to like let their guard down and all of a sudden like all of them are get arrested. So they blackball him. Like, nah, bro, you can't be in here. No, you need to leave. No, sir, we don't, we don't, we're not on the same team as you. You don't belong with us. They didn't realize that Jesus had changed his life. And who steps in? When all of these people are fearful, Barnabas steps in and begins to vouch for him. He said, listen, I know you're afraid. I know this man has arrested some of your family members. I know he's got a reputation for killing people, but here's what I know. This guy's life has been changed by Jesus. Listen, he preached a sermon uh, back, back in another city. I was there. I heard, hey, for real talk, it was a good sermon, man. <laughs> like people were giving their lives to Jesus. Like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, this is legitimate. This guy is the real deal. You don't need to be afraid of him. Let's welcome him into the family. Like, he belongs to the family of Jesus now. Man, this is a great day. And while everyone else was afraid to even let Paul in the room, Barnabas encouraged them. He said, no, we need to embrace this guy. No, this guy's got a good thing going for him. He's a great preacher. He's a great leader. I, I see great things in him. You need people like that in, in your life. People that whatever you're fearful of right now can step in and say, you can do it. Now, you don't, you don't need to worry about that. Just continue to trust God. And I doubt anybody in here is fearful that like, you're going to get arrested for being a Christian or lose your life for following Jesus in the country that we live in. But there are things that people in our family and friends and spheres of influence struggle with and are fearful of. Maybe it's fearful of taking a next step in their relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's fearful of inviting someone to church or being bold with your faith. Or, or maybe you got a financial decision that you want to honor God with this money. You're considering generosity in your life for the very first time. And you're like, yeah, but 
What if the economy tanks? What if the housing market goes down? What if my car breaks down? What if I lose my job? And there's all this fear associated with whether or not you want to do what God's called you to do. And in that moment, you need an encourager. You need a Barnabas to step in and say, hey, God's trustworthy. Hey, God's going to make it happen. Hey, listen, I know you're fearful. I know you're worried. I know you're afraid. I know you've heard things. I know there's a lot of uncertainties going on in the world. Don't worry about it. You can, you can still trust God. An encourager sees the best in others. I know what you've seen about Saul, but I've seen something different. I know he's got a past, but I believe God has a future for him. So who in your life is fearful? Who's afraid? Who's struggling right now with that emotional and, and mental anguish about something in life? They need you as a part of their squad to step in and encourage them. So encourage the fearful. Number two, I want you to encourage the faithful. All four of these start with an F. You're welcome. I do that because I love you. The fearful. Number two, the faithful. There are people in your life that are faithfully following Jesus. They're doing the right thing. They're showing up. They're loving. They're serving. But it can be easy to get discouraged. Man, doing the right thing for a long period of time wears on you sometimes. (laughs) It's like, man, I'm tired of being the one that always gives. I'm tired of being the one that always serves. I'm tired of being the one that always sacrifices. That can happen even to the most faithful people. But Barnabas steps in in Acts chapter 11 and encourages them as well. Check this out. Now, now those Christians who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, they were spreading the word only amongst the Jews. But some of them, however, Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks as well, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Listen to what happens. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and the church sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. People were getting beaten for their faith. People were getting killed and kidnapped just for being public followers of Jesus. And there was a small group of people that said, I don't care. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to tell the Jews, like, these are our people already, but but we're even going to tell the Gentiles. We're going to tell the government officials. We're going to tell the people that we know hated Jesus. We're going to be bold with them as well. And so these faithful people doing the right thing even when it was difficult, Barnabas steps in and says, hey, I want to encourage you. I, w- I want to I tell you, man, keep going, keep pushing. Never, never stop doing the right thing. I know it's costly. I know there's some risk involved. I know sometimes it can be hard, but do it. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. These were the most faithful people in the whole church, but even they needed some encouragement to keep going. See, sometimes encouragement is finding someone that's down and picking them up. Other times, encouragement is finding someone that is maybe standing still and you come and push them forward. You just give them a little put. Hey, don't, don't stop. Keep going. I know you've been walking a long time. I know you've been taking a lot of steps, but don't stop now. God's not done. Continue to be faithful. Continue to see what doors that God has next. Maybe for you, you've been a Christian for a while and it's just wearing on you. It's like, man, how much longer am I going to have to constantly put people in front of myself, constantly serve, constantly give? Constantly pour myself out. Maybe those are the people in your life that need the encouragement. 
that need that word from you that says, hey, I see what you're doing. It's making a difference. It's making an impact. Man, you are being a player in what God wants to do here. I'm so proud of you. Keep going. Keep pushing. Don't stop now. Watch what God has for you. Watch how your life changes. Barnabas did that for for people that he was encouraging, people that he had a relationship with. He saw guys that needed other believers around them to encourage them just so they can push them forward. Encourage the fearful. Encourage the faithful. Number three, we got to learn how to encourage the future. Encourage the, the future. One of the things I love about Revo, um, if, you, if you go downstairs uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning at any one of our three campuses, or you come here on a Wednesday night, uh, like we're a church that believes in the next generation. Uh, we're a church that believes in elementary school students, preschoolers, middle school, high school, college students. Like we are betting the farm on the future. Right? I want to be able to put this church in someone else's hands in the years to come. And i got to be honest with you, when I look at the next generation, I'm excited about it. The rest of the world is writing all of us off. See, I'm a millennial. Listen, man, the world hates millennials. Man, you guys are lazy. Uh, you, you don't have a work ethic. Uh, you don't have good money management. Uh, most of you are still living with your parents. Go get a job. Go be responsible. Like, do something with your life. That's how it always is. It's always cyclical. The previous generation always looks at the next generation and says, you're not as good as we are. That's not how we're going to roll. We're going to look at the next generation and say, I believe you can do even more than what we did. I believe that God's going to do more through you than he did through us. I believe we're just laying the foundation for you to stand on because you're going to see so much more. God's going to do so much greater things in your life than he did in mine. We're going to bet the farm on the future. We believe our kids can be raised in revival if we pay attention to these kids now in the next generation. That's exactly what Barnabas did with Saul. Saul was a brand new Christian, like fresh had no experience, didn't know what to do, still a little rough around the edges. And in Acts chapter 11, these very next verses, we see what Barnabas did. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Nobody else wanted Saul. Nobody would even welcome him into the church. Nobody wanted to be his friend. But Barnabas went and found him. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians for the very first time in Antioch. When no one else believed in a young guy named Saul, Barnabas did. Barnabas was an encourager. Barnabas looked at him and said, I know you're young. I know you're inexperienced. I know you're a little rough around the edges. I know you got a past. I know you've killed some people. Okay, I get it. But I believe God has a plan for you. I believe God has a purpose for you. I know you used to be an enemy of the church, but I believe God changes people's lives and Jesus can radically do something in your life and your future can be so much better than your past. Barnabas was the only one that looked at Saul and believed that. Man, I'm, I'm so thankful for Barnabas. We wouldn't even have the New Testament if it wasn't for Barnabas. Who knows what the the church movement in the first century, thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to know Jesus after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection wouldn't have happened without Barnabas, without an encourager looking at Saul and saying, I know everybody else is against you, but I'm for you. I believe in you. And I'm I'm gonna sacrifice, I'm gonna do everything I can to set you up for success because I believe God's gonna use you in a real way. Who can you encourage 
who's in your life that, that, that maybe is a little younger, maybe is, maybe is further behind you, but that is the future of the gospel here in America, the future of the church here in our area. We need to be encouraging them. When the rest of the world is tearing them down, telling them you'll never be good enough, you'll never be as good as your dad or your mom, you'll never be as great as the past generation, we need to encourage them and say, we believe God's gonna do greater things through you than he's ever done before. Somebody like that needs encouragement in our life. The last person I want to challenge you to encourage may be the most difficult, and it's the failures. Number four, there are some failures in your life that need encouraging. The reason why this is so difficult is because we live in a cancel culture where if you ever do anything wrong, then you're done. If you do the wrong thing in the wrong setting, you will never be able to get a job. You will never be able to get friends and enter certain social circles anymore you'll just get cast off if you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing even if it was a long time ago some people will find it and they'll exploit it and you'll be canceled Saul was guilty of this same thing a couple of chapters later in the book of Acts Saul's name's been changed with Paul like Jesus radically changed his life so much so that his name gets changed and Paul plans a mission trip and he invites a bunch of these people to go on a mission trip with him and in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, here's, here's the trip. Here's how it starts. From Pathos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Panphila, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Now imagine this. Imagine like we go on a, a mission trip. Let's say you lead a, a trip, and you ask people to sign up, and they pay, and, and you've got different responsibilities for everybody on the team. And like, you've got to have the whole team working together in order for this to be a successful trip. Imagine you get on the plane, you fly halfway around the world to one of our ministry partners in Honduras or Iraq or Italy or uh, Mexico, any, any, any of our ministry partners. And when you land, one of your teammates comes up to you and says, I don't want to be here. Hey, you need to, fi- you need to find me an uh, airline ticket. I want to go home. There's not even hot water here. I didn't know we weren't staying in a nice hotel. <laughs> These people don't even speak English. Like I'm done, like I'm tired. I, I want the luxury back. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to do this. That's what they did with, with Paul. This guy named John Mark traveled all the way with Paul. Paul had a great plan to go on a mission trip. And John Mark said, I don't want to go anymore. I want to go home. And scripture says that he left the whole group. Well, you're going to learn Paul held a little grudge. <laughs> Because two chapters later, Paul plans another mission trip. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back. Remember that trip we took a while back to visit those churches and to do that ministry work? Let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. But Barnabas wanted to take John, who was also called Mark, with him. The same John Mark that sold him out the first time. The same John Mark that was the quitter. The same John Mark that let everybody down. Barnabas steps in and says, I want to give him another chance. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus and Paul took the rest of the team and went in the opposite direction. Paul canceled him. He's like, nah, man, he's already sold us out once. Nah, he's a quitter. No, he's not going. He's too much of a hassle for me. Nah, he already burned that bridge. It's too late. I gave him one chance. He blew the chance. I'm not going to do it. He can't go. Barnabas comes back up to this man named John Mark and he says, Hey, man, I got some bad news. Paul said you couldn't go. 
Paul said you, you sold him out on the last trip. But here's the news. Let's me and you go. You and I, we'll go on our own trip. We'll take a bunch of believers to another area of the world that hadn't heard Jesus and we'll, we'll go there. Paul won't let us go on his trip, but, but you and I, I know your past. I know you failed. I know you sold us out. I know you dropped the ball. I know you quit and you left us hanging. But I'm not gonna let your past define your future. You and I are surrounded with people that have amazing, spectacular failures in their past. And the world that we live in wants to define them by their failures. But a real encourager like Barnabas can step in and look at a life and say, hey man, I know you've done some things. I know you've said some things. I know you've made some mistakes, but I don't think God's done with you yet. I still think you can turn the corner. I still think that your life can be used in a really powerful way. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna sacrifice, I'm gonna invest in you so that you can have another chance. You need to encourage the people that are failures to help them understand that their failure is not their final verdict. Their past doesn't determine their future. There's someone in your life that has a past of failure that needs to know that you believe in them still. I'm praying for you. I got your back. I believe in you. I'll vouch for you. I'll come alongside you, put my arm around you, and we'll do this thing together. Here's what I want to ask you to do, man. Just ask God right now, who are those four people in your life? Who's the fearful that you need to encourage? Who's the faithful? Who's the the failure? The one that unfortunately no one else believes in anymore, that they completely wrote off. And then who is the future? that while the rest of the world says you'll never amount to anything, you need to look at in the face and say, I believe you can with God. I hope you have an encourager in your squad. I hope that every room you walk into, you lift everyone else up instead of dragging everyone else down. It's the way that God designed our lives for us to continue to move forward in a relationship with him. So be a mentor, be an apprentice, but also be an encourager for those that are around you. Let's see what God can do with the gift of encouragement in the church today. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for this unsung hero named Barnabas. Uh, A a guy that is not as popular as Paul, not as well known as Timothy. Uh, A behind the scenes person that knew how to encourage, that knew how to build people up, that knew how to speak into both good and bad situations, into darkness and into light, and to help people realize what you've called them to be, to reach their full potential for the kingdom of God. God, help us in a negative world to be sons and daughters of encouragement. Mr. and Mrs. Encouragement. Like you just, you can't help that when you hang out with these Christians, man, you just leave and your spirits are lifted up. You, you have a brighter outlook on the future. Like you're not as fearful. You're not as worried. You're not as negative. You're not as consumed with what's going on in the world. I don't know what it is about those followers of Jesus, but they just seem to be men and women of encouragement. God, let that be our story in the midst of a negative culture and a negative world. For your sake, for your name, for your glory and your honor. I pray those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.